0: You know, friend, I know you usually start these out, but Christian just said, "Told you to stop cheating," and that's something with this new format I'm unable to do. I can no longer cheat. Not that I did or purposely did, but there's a lot of times where, like, because you're we're six feet apart from each yeah. other, eight feet apart, and you throw the papers across, and just how I grab them, I'd end up yeah. seeing the name. Um, that is now impossible wow. for me to do. I so. think it's
1: funny that it took till season two for that to come out. Yeah. <laughs> so now we know. All right. Well, I I think. I think we're off to a good start. We're day three of uh, season uh, two, and uh, I think it's it's starting off so good. So what do you got for us today, Christiane?
2: Okay. Our item is a perennial forb today. All right. Wetland indicator status is facultative upland. It is two to three foot tall and two to three foot wide. And then our native range is throughout North America from coast to alpine zone.
1: Interesting. All right. Yeah. That
0: doesn't really give us a whole You said it was lot. a native perennial. Yeah. Tell me what the flower color is.
2: Right. The flower color is a yellowish white, rarely pink. Hmm. Oh, gosh. Yellowish white,
1: rarely pink. White. All right. Um, um, what is it it's bloom time?
2: June to September. Oh, that's not what I was thinking. Mm.
0: The, really, the only one that comes to mind that I can just that's coming well, coming to mind that comes to mind that's a little word matrix I just built for myself. <laughs> I just boxed myself <laughs> in. Um, the only thing i's like, I feel like, I'm just having an off day, I think. Um, What's coming to mind is Monarda punctata. I don't think that's right. That would be more pink, less yellow, but there is some yellow in there. I'm going to stick with that.
1: Oh, that's a really good – that's a really good guess. I don't I, think it's the two I to three foot like, wide, though. I feel like we yeah. did that one we on season one. I don't remember. It would but, be
0: easier if I had that list in front of me. Yeah. The rule thing. Oh, right. yeah, that's
1: true. Maybe we'll do that for next week. Um. The thing is, I'm really drawing a blank here on what it could be yellowish white to rarely pink.
0: We are on time limit, oh, so geez. I might have to start. Right.
1: Timer I'm, I'm in gonna there. say, it's- I'm gonna say, yeah, we might have to. I'm gonna say Monarda Punctata too, just because if Tom gets it right, I want to be, I want to ride his coattails.
2: Oh, shucks, I got you both.
1: <laughs> All right, what is it?
2: It's common yarrow. Oh,
1: mmm. Yeah. I just don't
0: know enough about that
1: plant to have guessed that. And i s- with enough confidence. and I've seen it in the wild naturally in this area, like, and it it yeah. fits that description perfectly, but yep. I would have it just wasn't in my thought range yeah.
0: You're listening to a native plant every day with Tom and Fran.
1: Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to season two of A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And And I'm
2: Christiane. (laughs) 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 I was going to say, and
1: we're joined by our producer, Christiane, but she beat me to it. Good job. Uh, Today's plant is Achillea millifolium, uh, which is common yarrow. Uh, And there's no alternate common names that actually we came up with. So um, this is really interesting because, as I mentioned, it's one that I've seen – it's not one that we grow so i'm not as familiar i'm familiar with a lot of cultivars of this one but not the plant itself Mm -hmm. so i'm interested to learn a little bit more so uh as you mentioned it's two to three foot tall by two to three foot wide and it's a facultative upland Uh, native range through north america is from coast to alpine zone and it is a perennial form of the asteraceae family which is aster
0: yeah and one of the things that really stuck out to me is that it's has some salt tolerance.
1: I wasn't aware of that, yeah, but that's I that's really either, interesting. But I
0: have seen it on some roadsides, and roadsides in the winter get road salt, and that's something that when you have things on the side of the road, they tend to have a little bit of salt tolerance, especially in the northern half of the, the U.S. Um, and that's one of the things I do want to reiterate here, is this plant is has a native, really, really wide native range. You're going to find that across most of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, from a design use standpoint... You can use it for bank sta- stabilization, bee gardens. It is a pretty good pollinator plant as well. Bird gardens, butterfly gardens, uh, deer resistant gardens, and it can kind of act as like a. It's a little taller than the ground cover, but can kind of mm-hmm. act where it does spread as much as it gets tall. So um, a lot
1: of the height is flower stalk. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of basal foliage. I don't know if you consider that basal foliage, but uh, most of the height is really in the, yeah, flower, in, the flower in, in the flower stalk. So. Uh, Giving that considering cutting – you can consider cutting back the plant stems in late spring before flowering if you want to reduce the overall plant height and that kind of gives you like a shorter flower stalk and will bulk it up a little bit. It will kind of push its energy elsewhere. Um, Cutting the plants back to lateral flower buds after initial flowering will tidy the plant up and encourage additional blooming. So you can get more than just one set of blooms if you you do a little work on it. yeah, now those flowers are pretty cool-looking, too. They can Some people would probably consider them a little
0: bit plain, but the actual structure of the flower itself is pretty cool because uh, they are these like large, compact clusters um, at the top of each stem, and they'll have, I think it's technically multiple flowers that are composed of this flower head. It's not just it's, this is one flower, like you're thinking of an echinacea where it's uh, more considered one flower. This is multiple, multiple flowers, similar to like a eupatorium kind of look yeah. in a way. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So, I would agree with that. And then um, that uh, the bloom time is from June to September, and uh, and each one of those flower heads is going to have 20 to 25 yellowish-white, uh, rarely pink as Christian, yeah. so kindly noted uh, array of flowers, and uh, they have similarly colored disc flowers. And that's one of the things I was saying is that when I think of this plant, I think of like a more white flower. But I can see where it has like that partly yellow to it, thinking back a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So the, the leaves are deeply divided, fern like, uh, with a medium green foliage, narrowly oblong to lance shape. Uh, and they're aromatic with a strong spicy aroma. So uh, that's one of those things you need to start when you walk by, grab it and, and, uh, uh, yeah, mix it up one with your hand and like, like, a little like, sweet little in fir- your hand, crushing uh, your hand and, and smell yeah. it a little bit along the along the. Path. You got to bend down a little more to
0: to touch yeah, this one than sweet <laughs> burn or, or those kind of things.
1: You do, it, but it does like sun to part shade. Uh, it is susceptible to stem rot. It can get powdery mildew. A lot of those facultative uplands, like where you find bee bombs and things like that, are, are typically sensitive to powdery mildew and rust. Mm-hmm. Now this plant can spread a little
0: bit more aggressively and form its own little colonies. Um, I can't say I've seen that happen personally, um, but most of the time I've seen it has been in like more garden designs. So yep. they, they want, it's a newer design. You have that standalone plant. I haven't been back to check any of those out after a couple of years no. to see. Be, before but. we
1: get into pollinator and wildlife, can you tell us what your favorite fact that you've found this time or now?
2: For me, my favorite fact actually came from the origin of the genus which refers to uh Achilles, the Greek soldier, right? Yeah. Greek yeah, mythical soldier. Yeah. Um they claimed he used the plant to stop bleeding and heal the wound of its soldiers. So
1: Oh, that's pretty interesting. Pre- and the specific epithet million means thousand leaves, uh in reference which to the highly dissected sense. plant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's crazy how these these names actually make a lot of sense when you really boil them down. <laughs> yeah. Have we come
1: across anyone like eh, that doesn't that doesn't really no. flesh out like the one <laughs> I always remember is echinacea meaning hedgehog yeah you know because of the oh, flower yeah. so I'll always remember that now. So um, if you go if you want to talk about pollinators, the flowers are visited by soldier flies, bee flies, uh, syrphid flies, thick headed flies, tachnid flies, flesh flies, musit flies, blow flies, and anthem. Me-eyed flies. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, you're close want. enough. Anth- um, and then uh, they're fed on destructively uh, pretty, pretty heavily in open areas by little pasture grasshoppers and red-legged grasshoppers. So, so,
0: and then you'll find that there's some, uh, what, the four-spotted cricket uh, or four-spotted tree cricket, protean shield back, the straight-laced meadow katydid all feed on the flower heads, which we don't often think of the flower itself being. Uh, insect food, no. Um, oh, well, other than for nectar reasons or pollen reasons, but actually eating the flower itself. Um, then you also have a lot of larvae that will feed on them um, on this plant with tumbling flower beetles, leaf beetles, larvae of the yellow or the yarrow flower midge. Makes sense; they like it. Yep. Same with the yarrow aphid, uh, the yarrow mealybug. A lot of things have yeah. yarrow in their name. Yes, if yeah, that makes sense too. Must be special. Um, you'll have the larvae of the wavy-lined emerald moth. Uh, the voluble dart moth and the eastern flower thrips
1: there's this has a lot of pollinator uh oh, yeah. food
0: web value it's from yeah. especially from the larval stage which is in many opinions the most important stage.
1: exactly so but also mammalian herbivores are reluctant to feed on the aromatic foliage of this plant so uh that's one thing you know we have always talked about if it's stronger smelling it tends to be a deterrent mm-hmm. so um a liquid Plant feed though can be made from the leaves. That's pretty interesting. Oh yeah, that that it's almost like a natural um, fertilizer. Yeah,
0: yeah, and then that foliage we've mentioned a bunch has that uh, that spicy kind of aroma, um, which you can use in a dried arrangement and actually bring some of that aroma inside. It's not just the the flowers. give off that perfume it's the the foliage will actually do that as well i actually
1: see yarrow used a lot in wildflower uh, Mm. arrangements which is nice um but the leaves are bitter but they can be eaten raw or cooked so just keep that in mind and remember as we always mention before eating any native plant do your research don't take our word for it make sure you know as samuel thayer told us you, you don't have to know all the plants you just have to know the one you're eating um so you can make a tea by soaking the leaves in warm water to remove the dirt and debris and then chop the leaves steep and steep in hot water for 10 minutes. Although I'm wondering if that's like a bitterish tea given that the – yeah, Well, I see that the tea was used to cure uh, fever, colds, and headaches. Um,
0: the crush plant was also, also used to apply to – was also used to apply to wounds and burns. Um, and then yarrow beer has been brewed – uh, in
1: Europe since the Middle Ages. How do we get our hands on that? I don't know. We might have to make it ourselves. I kind of feel as as a producer, Christian should have been prepared and supplied us with Yarrow beer. That would have been kind for of the her. episode. That's for sure. yeah. You
2: have high expectations. <laughs>
1: All right, hit us with the uh, the lightning round. Let's see how we do today.
2: Okay, let's start off. True or false? Cottontail rabbits feed on the overwintering leaves of Yarrow. All right. True or false, the Xerxes Society does not recommend these species for pollinators and beneficial insects. Okay. True or false, you should wash the leaves with a dish detergent when making tea. Ooh, that's going to be the stumper, yeah. I think. Yeah, that's, all right. That'll separate yeah. us
0: in, in our, our quest for <laughs> yes. greatness here.
2: True or false, <laughs> the growing plant repels beetles, ants, and flies. The plant has been burnt in order to ward off mosquitoes.
1: Mm. All right.
2: And then true or false, the Chinese considered yarrow plants to be good luck.
1: All right. All All right. All right. I'm not as confident. Uh, uh, No, 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 either am I.
2: So, What a difference a day makes. All right. (laughs) Cottontail rabbits do feed on the overwintering leaves of yarrow. Oh, got that one wrong. This one hopefully was a nice slow pitch for you both to hit. False. The Xerces Society champions this species because of the wide range of insects that interact with the plant. So they do recommend it. The next one is that you should not wash the leaves with dish detergent when making tea. So that was false. Okay. Okay. That's
1: what I was going to ask. What are you so far, Tom? I, I have one wrong. All right. Me too. I'm two for three.
2: The growing plant does repel beetles, ants, and flies despite its many benefits to other insects. Mm.
1: All right. I
0: got that one wrong. All right. Well, in the last question, you have two right? Yeah. right. I have three right. All right. And so, so you have to get this one right if you want to yeah. have a tie. And Tom has to
1: get it wrong. So. All right.
2: The Chinese do consider yarrow plants to be good
1: I knew that one. And Tom gets the win. Good job, Tom. four out of five. (laughs) All right, so we did have a winner. Um, Great episode. Here's the important question. Are you putting it in your yard? Christiane, why don't you go first?
2: I, despite the effort I put in in planning, am a lazy gardener, and I don't want to have to prevent it from running wild in my yard, so no.
1: All right. Tom, how about you?
2: Um...
0: Can I say it depends?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say, I, yeah. My show, <laughs> yeah. I can say whatever you can want. say whatever. You want. I would say
0: I would say it depends. It's uh, I probably have spots like in my hedgerows where I could put it, like kind of on the end where it's still getting a, a fair amount of sun, but it's not. It's not a showy plant, which is what I kind of referenced mm. before. It's a lot of people are going to say, oh, it's not a really. It, it is a cool looking flower when you break it down. But um, it's not something that's going to stop traffic because, ooh, I want, I want one of those. So if you have something like want a little bit showier garden, then it's probably not the plant for you. If you don't care what your neighbors think and you say, I just want to have the most pollinator bang for my buck, it's something you should include.
1: You know, it's it's one of those plants that it doesn't have to be in mass. It can be singular or, or part of a garden even though it has the potential of, of being – I don't even know if I'd call it more aggressive. I would definitely put it in my yard because I have places where I would love for it to be in mass mm-hmm. uh, where height is an issue and it doesn't have to be showy all the time, uh, but could really provide a lot of bang for the buck when it when it shows. So not too bad. So we have a a yes, a no and a maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another great uh, plant for you, make sure you do a little bit more research and and possibly you could end up putting this plant in your yard yourself. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for our last episode of the week. And until then, keep it native.
0: Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with
1: Tom and Fran.